everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark, presented by NJM Insurance, and it is playoff time. And let's bring in a special guest. I thought he did a fantastic job this year analyzing games for Fox. Of course, a former Pro Bowl tight end. He's making the transition now. Let's bring in Greg Olson. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. How's it going? Oh, doing great. And I know you did a couple of Eagles games for Fox, and then you did a couple of Tampa Bay games. So I just enjoyed your insights so much this year during the games, and I think a lot of Eagles fans did as well. So I just got to ask you, what do the Eagles have to do to pull off an upset in this game and win in Tampa Bay? Yeah, I think that's always a loaded question. I think anytime you're getting ready for the playoffs, I know they played earlier in the season and, and Tampa obviously won, but I just think if you're Philly, your confidence at this stage of the year, you know, where you guys, how you guys finished, everything you had gone through, especially early in the season with some kind of growing pains of figuring out a new play caller on both sides of the ball, a new head coach, a new quarterback, a young quarterback for that, you know, at, at that rate. So I just think they're a completely different team psychologically, mentally, confidence now than they were back then. So I, I think the biggest part of going against a Tom Brady led team, you know, the you know, the defending Super Bowl champs is just knowing that you belong there, right? I think there's a, a mental hurdle that a lot of teams have to get over, especially a young team, especially a team that, now I know they have some holdovers from some guys who've had success and have been on the playoff and Super Bowl runs, but they also have a lot of guys playing key positions, you know, Jalen Hurts, Vontae Smith, who haven't really been there before in the NFL just due to being so young. So part of it is just like getting over that mental hurdle that like, we belong here. I know they're the defending champs. I know that's Tom Brady, but none of that matters, right? Like just knowing going in, that you belong and you have a chance is like half the battle when it comes to the playoffs. And then of course there's execution and your star players need to play well and you got to limit mistakes. I mean, all the same things everyone else talks about, but the playoffs so often just comes down to who handles the moment, who handles the preparation, who doesn't let it get too big and just keep the main thing, the main thing, which is playing at a high level and worrying about the game and not getting fascinated by who's on the other team, who's in the other jerseys, because um, very often in the playoffs, that that's a big factor. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yeah, so Jalen Hurts is just 23 years old. He's going to be the youngest Eagles starting quarterback in team history. Uh, this is his first playoff game in the NFL. This is going to be Tom Brady's 46th. Yeah. But, you know, you see what Jalen Hurts has been through playing in the national championship games, and he's played in those big moments. Does that help, or is that not a part of the equation here? I I, I do think it helps. I, 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 think I saw those stats yesterday also. I was reading up on the game a little bit, and, you know, just seeing, of course, the age difference between Jalen and – and, and Brady, and then, of course, the amount of games Brady's played in the playoffs versus Jalen Hurts making his debut. That Those are always fun. And, and listen, that's a factor. Tom Brady does have, and I don't care if it's Jalen Hurts or whoever the quarterback is, Matt Stafford, Brady just being in that moment so many times and playing in so many meaningful games and so many conference championships and, of course, winning and losing multiple Super Bowls, like there is an inherent benefit to being in that position. But, again, like we talked about at the Open, Jalen Hurts has been in the fire before, right? Again, it's college. It's different, I understand. But he's played on the big stage. He's dealt with incredible adversity. I, when we had the games earlier in the year, 
one of the things we talked about a lot in our prep and then of course going into the game was like for someone like Jalen Hurts to go through what he went through he went from the top of the mountain as a young player at Alabama to then on the national stage really having a very difficult personal moment and allowing his backup you know obviously Tua to become the hero to then rebound help his team at a later time change schools and then find great success at another college like for a young guy in his early 20s or however old he was at the time to go through those moments, that all builds. And now all of a sudden you go through a year like he did with the ups and downs and you end on a positive. Guys are certain guys just have mentalities that are made for moments like this. Now, again, does that mean you're going to go toe to toe with Tom Brady and outduel him? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I'll tell you, I don't think the moment's going to be too big for, for Jalen Hurts. And again, as we started the show, so much of that is half the battle. Yeah, and when you look at that first game, obviously at that point the Eagles were heavily passing the ball and they didn't really find themselves until after that game when they did the self-scouting and said, you know what, we need to commit to the run here. So they are a completely different team, like you said. Do you think that helps Jalen? That was his second worst game of the year, that he's seen that defense uh, and he kind of can see a little bit of what they're going to bring? Yeah, and that, and I and I know with Tampa, obviously Brady and the offense and the weapons and Mike Evans and whatnot. I know they they've lost some guys, obviously due to Godwin and everything with Antonio Brown and whatnot. But you know they got obviously a lot of weapons offensively and Tom. But their defense is really good. I mean, their defense is really the reason they won the Super Bowl last year. I mean, their their front with 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 Vita Vea and Sue and you know I know. There's not, they're not sure if uh, Levante David's going to be back to play when I know he's been dinged up. But when you look at all three levels of their defense, they're very good. They're very well coached. So I think for Jalen to know that he went against them. And again, it wasn't a great day to collectively. It wasn't a great day individually for him. But to know you've been through that fire before and you've now played much better ball as a team, as an offense, as an individual. And you know, like those bad times are behind me and I've played better since then. You've got to capture those moments, knowing that the challenge is going to be big. Their big five guys up front are going to get after the quarterback. They're very good against the run. You're going to have to capitalize on field position. You're going to have to capitalize. You get a guy open downfield, there's no can't miss. He can't overthrow Devontae Smith on a long route. You've got to hit every ball. Their margin for error is going to be very small. They realize that. They're the underdog, right? They, this would be a huge upset in the minds of a lot of people. And I think they realize that. So I think they've got to be locked in. They've got to understand where their opportunities are going to present themselves. And when those opportunities come, you got to hit them. There can be no almost, there can be no, oh, we'll get them next time. They can't, they don't have that margin for error. So I expect them to have a really good plan. I think Sirianni's done a nice job of his growth this year as a coordinator, as a play caller, and also as a head coach, I think has been a big reason for their success. And uh, they're going to have a good plan and they're going to need it because that defense in Tampa, I think, sometimes gets overlooked and uh, they're, they're well-schooled and very talented. So when you look at that interior there, you just talked about Vita Vey. That guy is a large human being. And Jason Kelsey is the Eagle center, very athletic, but a little undersized. And when you have Vita Vey at 350 plus across from him, it looks like some teams have had some success running on the perimeter and getting to the outside there, do you think that's something? Because the Eagles have such a versatile running game. Do you think that that is a way to run on this Tampa Bay defense? Yeah, I think anytime you play big big guys like that in the middle, and I remember when we were getting we were doing a production meeting 
uh, Bruce Arians told us and we, and we, and Todd Bowles, both of them, you know, we said, you know, what makes Vita Vea so good? And he said, you know, there's a lot of guys that can hold up against double teams, right? They don't get moved. They hold their ground and they clog everything up. He goes, the difference with Vita Vea is he takes on double teams, he beats double teams, and then he makes the tackle. He said, there's only a handful of those guys. And he's just, he's not your typical nose guard plugger. He's in the backfield, tackles for loss, pressuring the quarterback, running offensive linemen into the lap. He, he's a really, really dynamic player and makes a lot of plays that don't necessarily show up in the box score, so to speak. But to your point, I do think you have to find a way to get those big bodies going side to side, right? Get out on the edge. And I know people don't want him to throw the ball too much and we want to run, but like even the RPO stuff, like that's a big part of what Jalen Hurts has done. That's a big part of what he's good at. And it also makes the defense cover more space. I think if you try to play that defensive front in a phone booth and you try to play between the tackles and just bang your head against the wall every down, I think it's going to be for a long day. I think you're going to punt a lot. I think you're going to be in third and long a lot. And that's not good for any quarterback, let alone a long, a young quarterback. So they've got to find a way. And everyone talks about running the ball and all that. And, and that's all fair. You need to be able to win first and second down in this league. Unless you have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and the, and the elite Hall of Fame guys who can throw the ball in any down and distance. Every single team is playing the game. I need to win on first and second down. So third down is not must drop back pass. Must drop back pass in the NFL is when mistakes happen, when sacks, strip, bad passes, overthrows, picks. Bad things happen to, to young quarterbacks, especially in those situations. They've got to win first and second down at all costs. And if that's throwing more smoke, you know, more little quick screens out to the receivers and run for catch for six yards or maybe spread them out. And they've got to be creative. Some of that's going to be the run game. Some of that's going to be extension of the run game. But you can't be one yard gain, one yard gain and be in third and eight the whole day. Even if you want to run the ball because that's your identity, at some point you have to gain yards on first down in some way, whether it's run, RPO, screens, quick pass, whatever it is. So I expect Sirianni to be creative. He understands that challenge and, um, and make sure he gets his young quarterback into a little bit of a groove early. Some insurance companies, they use jingles and mascots, but not NJM. When you're up front with your customers, you don't need gimmicks. NJM, no jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Get a quote today at NJM.com. And the Eagles offensive line, it is a rare combination of you've got the size. I mean, Jordan Mailata, another large human, Lana Dickerson on that left side. But you've also got a, a lot of athleticism with that offensive line, and, and they're multiple uh, with their running game. So do you think that that is a line that can really run any type of running plays? Absolutely. And, and anytime a team is versatile in their style of run, everyone wants to talk about, oh, the running back and he can do. But you're exactly right. The ability for a play caller and an offensive, you know, game planner in putting together a run is what are my linemen capable of? And so often certain linemen are speed guys that want to get out on the edge and you see them kind of, they'll, they'll pin the end and they want to pull and they want to get guys in space, screens, outside tosses, counters, and get linemen moving because they're better in space than they are in tight. And then there's other teams that have these big old bodies and they're just downhill and it's double teams and it's vertical push and it's just run into a brick wall the ability to have linemen who are versatile to, versatile enough that on any given play, they can run any given style of run. 
it puts the defense a lot more at a disadvantage. They can't just load up for certain schemes, certain gap responsibilities. They realize that in the run game, we've got to go, we've got to cover every gap and we've got to cover sideline to sideline because if we don't on any given play and it's, it's an explosive run. So the guys you mentioned, Maialata and obviously Kelsey, he's been doing it at a high level. He makes that whole thing go. I don't care if he's small. I don't care. That dude is just a player. He is just an absolute stud. He's smart. He's going to win with his mind. He's going to win with quickness. He's going to, he's coming out of his stance before the ball is even snapped. He has a built-in advantage on every single play because he is the first guy to move. And don't think he doesn't know that. And don't think he's not using that to his advantage. He's taken his first step to cut off Vita Vea or whoever it is. And that ball hasn't even moved yet. And it's a subtle little delay that gives him the advantage to make first contact, get his hands on first. He just plays at such a high level. Um, he can make up for what he lacks in size or anything. He's a, he's a really good player for a long time. But yeah, I think to your point, that offensive line has really grown this year and their combination of size, athleticism allows the play caller, Nick Sirianni, to really come up with a, a multitude of different run schemes. And in that first game, of course, you talk about defending Tom Brady, and I don't think there's any quarterback in the NFL, even at the age of 44, who is getting that ball out quicker. It's like two seconds, a little bit more than that. And that's exactly what he did in that first game against the Eagles. Boom, drop back, first read goes. Uh, so how do you get to Tom Brady if he's getting the ball out so quick like that? I think it's hard. I think that's the challenge people have been trying to figure out for over 20 years, right? I think, you know, and I think just Jonathan Gannon and his style, and I think he's the first to admit it, he comes from that mindset of bend, don't break, limit the deep passing. We're going to tackle in space and we're going to limit your run after catch. And if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to go on a 10 plus, 12 plus drive. If you want to run the ball a bunch on us, that's okay. We're not going to let you just kill us in the passing game, throwing the ball over our head. And as you just said, that's not really Brady's thing. I mean, obviously he's going to take his chances and he can throw it anywhere, but their style is timing, rhythm, get the ball out of his hand, run after catch, keep him protected in the pocket. Like all of that has been kind of his, his hallmark and trademark of his career, but it's also what that team does the best. Now with the, with losing Godwin and losing Antonio Brown, you know, how do they build in the package for Gronk? How do they build, how do they continue to build with Mike, with Mike Evans and the running backs? You know, you see a lot of screens with Fournette and you see a lot of checkdowns. All of that stuff is in essence, like he turned around and handed the ball off. When he drops back and after two hitches, throws the ball to Leonard Fournette on first and second down, and then he runs after catch for eight, nine yards, that's like a handoff. So elements of their passing game is really their run game. And um, it makes it very hard to defend. So I'd be curious to see what what Gannon's you know, scheme is going to be. I, I think he's a really good young coach. I think he's done a really good job as a first-time play caller defensively. And uh, I know people got on him at certain points of the season because they felt he was too conservative and they felt he was playing too safe. But when you look at what the, the methodology of that defense, we're going to get to you with four rushers and with Hargraves and with Fletcher Cox. Like If those guys can get pressure up the middle in Brady's face, that's where teams have had limited success against Brady in playoff games and Super Bowls, right? You look, you think back to the Giants when they beat them, like the ability to rush for pressure up the middle. Don't let Brady be able to always slide up in the pocket and deliver the ball on time, get guys in his face, get guys in his lap and allow you to maximize how many guys you have in zone coverage or man coverage or whatever you're doing. So it's a chess game. And uh, 
I don't envy the position because it must be hard to come up with a scheme for Brady, but that's what they have to do, and we'll see if they can do it. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah, and you know, earlier in the season in that game, they would play the two deep safeties and really, you know, play off the receivers a little bit. And boy, Brady, I think he was 29 of 30 uh, on throws within 10 yards. And he said, boom, just get it to your guys. So my big concern in this game without Antonio Brown and Godwin is Gronk. I don't think they have that guy. Like we saw what Malcolm Jenkins was able to do uh, with Gronk, but I don't think they have that guy. So how do you, how do you disrupt Gronk getting off that line of scrimmage so that Brady can't boom, get him on that first read? Again, no one's really been able to solve that puzzle (laughs) either. You know, I think anytime you're playing against a team that, you know, obviously has a tight end that is as accomplished as him And really what makes them so unique is just their time together. You know, they have a really good understanding of what each other are looking for and they see the game through the same eyes and you can't coach against that. When you have guys that have played this many games together, this many big time playoff games, Super Bowls together, uh, you know, you can't get inside their mind. You can't coach against what Brady and Gronk are doing and the familiarity because you can't put it on paper. You can't say, oh, the reason Gronk's open is because he ran 10 yards. That's not how it works. Gronk's open because he's just kind of feeling it, and he knows where Brady expects him. If Gronk doesn't run it quite right, Brady fixes him with the throw. If Brady doesn't throw it quite right, Gronk makes a good catch. Like They just have a really unique relationship, and that's why they're very difficult to stop. But as far as scheming against guys like them, I think you have to change up what you do. I think if you're going to stand there on every snap and play the same coverage – he's going to kill you, right? Because he it's just too easy. He knows when the ball is snapped exactly where he's going to throw the ball. So you have to somehow, without putting yourself at a disadvantage and being out of position, somehow the pre-snap picture and the post-snap picture, you have to somehow make them look different. And you're not. it's not to fool Tom Brady. You're never going to fool him. It's will he hold the ball half a click longer and can you get pressure in him? Even if you don't sack him, can you get a guy's hand up in his face Can you make them not step into a throw, right? It's just subtle victories here and there because if you make everything uncontested and every throw uncontested and every pocket clean and every picture he sees before and after the snap clear, you're dead. And it's just the way it is. Yeah. uh, Now the Eagles uh, gave up 600 yards of offense in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Brady threw for over 500 yards four four years ago and he lost, and and it's pretty wild because even on his podcast a couple of days ago, he brought up the drop pass in the Super Bowl, and that he still hears it from Eagles fans, and he's brought it up like each of the last couple of years. How uh, how maniacal is he about winning and perfection when he is still bringing that Eagles Super Bowl up in interviews publicly? You know what's funny about real the, the best players that I've ever been around, they have a laundry list of accomplishments. Like, and and you just take one game for instance you know, not even a career, obviously Brady stands out, but like even just within a game, you know, I've been around players that might've had 160 rushing yards or didn't give up a sack or had 180 yards receiving or whatever their big game was. The best players I've ever been around, 
they don't talk about the great plays. They had 65 snaps and they're like the two plays they either got beat or their guy made the tackle or ah, I didn't run the best route and it was incomplete or I dropped it or whatever the bad, you know, and there's not a lot of them. There's not a lot of bad plays, but they remember them. And those, those moments are what fuels the good players. The average players, they always want to just hang their hat on everything that went great. And, and any player is going to be able to find those throughout the course of a game, a season, a career. But those are never the players that are going to really accomplish great things. So a guy like Brady, he's won seven Super Bowls, and he's still haunted that he dropped the reverse pass or, you know, Philly special-ish type play, and it went off his fingertips. Like, that's just a different mindset that not a lot of people have, and that's why he is who he is. And that's why other great players around the league – former and current players that are really special, they have similar mindsets and you can't coach it. You can't teach it. Some guys are just wired different. And Brady is just a hyper an internally driven person that no matter what is said, he doesn't need motivation. He doesn't need external factors. He's a self-driven person. And that's why at 44 years old, he's leading the league in passing. Yeah. It's interesting because Devonte Smith, he talks like that. At post game, he'll talk about I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Yeah, at 100 yards, so that's pretty special. What do you think of uh, Dallas Goddard as a, a former great tight end? What, what do you like about Dallas Goddard's game? Because actually, Eagles traded Zach Ertz right after that loss to Tampa Bay, and and Dallas has been a top five tight end in production since then. Yeah, I think it was always a hard situation. I, I've gotten to know Dallas and Zach relatively well just over the years and and spent some time with them this summer at our tight end university in Nashville. They're both great guys, obviously highly talented and, and accomplished, you know, Zach's obviously a little further in his career and as far as his production and accomplishments, but I've always thought both of them were really talented. And I always think, yes, having two guys is always great. It's always hard on the defenses and stuff, but it's very hard for one guy to ever establish himself. And I know they had a good relationship and I know it was, great for the offense at times and whatnot. It's just, it's hard when you are a mark, you know, you have the ability to be a marquee guy and you're sharing targets, you're sharing reps, you're, the coaches are doing the best that they can to make sure, okay, Zach has this many plays, Dallas has this many plays, because you realize they're two of your best players. Unfortunately, they're not playing wide receiver. They're playing tight end. And no matter what offense you're in, tight ends volume is just not the same. And now all of a sudden you got to split it amongst two really talented and really good players. So it's a challenge. So I know Zach loved Philly and I know how much the Philly loves Zach. I think him going to Arizona has worked out great for him. He's in the playoffs. And then obviously at the time he got traded, I don't know if anyone imagined Philly be in the playoffs. That's probably just the truth, but here they are. And, and like you said, Dallas has had a really good year. And um, I think he's always had that talent. He's always had that production. He's always had the ability to produce, but the ability to produce in the NFL is all based on opportunities and volume and how many snaps and how many targets and how much, how many plays are designed for you. And to the benefit of the team, they've always had to split that over two guys. And um, so I'm not surprised to see both of them have success because I think they're both really good dudes. I think they're both really talented and now they're both able to be the featured guy in their respective teams. And that goes a long way. When you were doing these production meetings for the, the Eagles games that you did this year, what were your impressions meeting with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts? I liked them. I, I really liked Sirianni. I, and I, I, I might've said this on air. I don't, when I talked to him, it was like I was talking to the wide receiver coach. And, and I mean that in a positive, like here was a guy who's the head coach. He's highly organized. 
He's obviously got a great message. He did a great job with this team, but like he wanted to talk about releases and stems and footwork at the top of the break and Devonte Smith and what a great job he did with body language and arm action. And like, he wanted to talk like the nitty gritty of route running and detail of offensive football. And it was awesome, right? Like he's a football guy. He's a wide receiver at heart. He probably still thinks he could play like that was the, that was just like how he jumped through the screen. And when we met him in person, that's just, and I, and I love it about him. And, and I mean that in like a very positive way. So he, I just loved his authenticity. I loved his approach. I, I just really enjoyed him. And I'd say the same thing about Jonathan Gannon. Like when we hung up with him, I was like, this guy's got great energy. He's got a great spirit. He's got a great demeanor, a personality. And I know they had their ups and downs and he came under fire and they got, I get it first year figuring it out, but there was something, there was something about him. And I would say that both of those guys um, were guys that when we got off the production meetings, I was like, I like them. Like there's something about them. If I was a player, I always base after like, could I play for that guy? Like, would I want to play for that guy? Could I relate to him? Could I? And both those guys, when I hung up, I was like, I could play for those guys. There's something about them that I like, that's endearing, and I could play for them. Yeah, the youngest coaching staff in the league. They definitely yeah. have energy. How about Jalen Hurts? They're younger than me. <laughs> I'm glad I don't play for them. I think they're all younger than I am. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Jalen, I'll, I'll tell you, Jalen had like a very soft-spoken, quiet confidence to him. And, and from everyone we've talked to and just, again, seeing him in college and what he and how he handled adversity and that situation there, I think that's just his demeanor. And I think it served him really well. I, I don't – and, again, you guys see him on a day-to-day basis a lot more than I do. It just seems from afar that he's never high, high. He's never low, low. Like his post-game press conference to me, you can't tell if they won or lost. He threw for 300 or threw three picks. And I think that's a really – good quality if handled the right way for an NFL quarterback, because I don't care who you are. I don't care what I used to tell young guys all the time. I said, the only guys who don't have bad days are the guys who don't play. I said, so if you're going to play and you want to be a guy who plays in the NFL for a long time, you better learn quickly how to handle a bad day or a bad article or people calling for your job, because it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when, and the only guys who don't screw up are the guys who are standing on the sideline. And there's no position that's going to come under more scrutiny than the quarterback position, let alone in Philly. Right. So I think his demeanor and his mindset is, is very well suited to handle that environment. And then I think he has a really interesting skill set. I think he's, I think he's a much better passer than people give him credit for, but also what he can bring as both a designed runner and just an improv, you know, scramble to be a passer, scramble to extend a play with his legs. Um, you know, you can't teach that stuff. So I, I like him. I, I think he I think he has a chance to be the guy that they continue to build around and to have a young quarterback like that, that you can obviously not pay a lot of money yet. I know the players don't want to hear that, but that's the reality. I mean, if he can continue to play playoff caliber football and have him for the contract they have, it gives them a lot of flexibility to build a really good team around him. So if I was Philly, I would not be in a hurry to look for his replacement by any means. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I was looking at uh, his cap hit is like $1.3 million. Then you have some guys, $25, $30 million that are not in the playoffs. So I'd say he's the best value at quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, what could you do? If I gave you $19 million to form your roster, all of a sudden you can pay your left tackle like they did. All of a sudden you can in free agency get a cover, a lockdown number one corner. And all of a sudden you can get another edge rusher or you know whatever it is. So it just gives your team so much flexibility and if you're going to pay your quarterback $30, $40 million, you're not going to pay somebody else 
So that guy better make up for three, four other positions because you're not going to be able to pay everybody if one position is getting that much. So teams have learned with young quarterbacks on rookie contracts, if they can play well, I can build a really good team around them. Well, and this is going to be great experience for Jalen Hurts. I'm looking at the weather forecast for Tampa Bay on Sunday, and it looks like a lot of rain. And I know you've had some experiences in the rain. I, I think I remember an Eagles game in Carolina that was in the rain. Uh, what happens when it is raining like that uh, with the passing game? And, and do you rely more on the run? Yeah, I think the, the obvious statement is yes. I think you obviously you're everyone's always concerned about ball handling. Everyone's always concerned about the more guys who touch it on any given play, the more likelihood there is for mistakes. But I but I also am a firm believer that you got to get your plan during the week, what gloves you're going to wear, handling the ball, putting it in the buckets, you know, all the stuff that all these teams do, understanding what that's going to mean. No gloves, gloves. You don't want to be in the first quarter and all of a sudden your wide receivers are trying new gloves, taking their gloves off, putting gloves back on. Like you don't want that distraction. So all that, if that's really the forecast, that's all got to be done up till Friday's practice. And then Sunday when that game starts, it's gone. You are approaching that game like it's 75 and, and sunny. You've got the right footwear. You've got the right cleats. They're long enough. You're not changing your cleats in the second quarter because you keep falling down. Like all that stuff needs to be handled during the week. And the good teams talk about this. This is like the team meeting on Wednesday. They're like, hey, guys, here's the weather. Talk to Johnny in the equipment room. Figure out your cleats. Figure out your footwear. Figure out your sleeves. Here's the temp. Like, we've got to handle it now because it can't be handled on Sunday. By then, it's too late. And now it's a distraction. It's not a distraction on Wednesday. It's a distraction if this is happening on Sunday. So the good teams prepare for it. And you can't just turn a blind eye and go all macho NFL and say, oh, it doesn't matter if it's raining. It matters. It's not, we're not making it up. It matters. So you got to handle it and you can't let it become a distraction. And you've got to run your offense accordingly. Certain guys are good throwers. Cam Newton could throw the ball 65 times in the rain. His hand was this big. It didn't matter how wet the ball was. He could still spin it. It didn't matter. So we didn't really care much. Certain guys don't throw the ball well in the rain. They put on a glove. They alter. Okay, that's a different plan. So Jalen's got to figure it out. The receivers need to figure it out. The center quarterback exchange. Obviously, Kelsey's probably played in a million bad weather games. So it's something that needs to be handled during the week. And then come Sunday, you just got to trust your prep and go. All right. Can I get a prediction out of you? <sighs> yeah, I mean. I, you can I'm, be I'm, honest with us in Philly. Uh, you know, here's what I'll say. And, and this is not me trying to hedge a prediction or anything. This is honestly how I felt about Philly from when I saw them week one and then week five or whatever it was with Carolina. And then just keeping track on them as a far from a distance leading up to the playoff run. Do I think they do I think they're going to go in there and beat? Do I think they're going to go and beat Tampa? I don't. Do I think they are capable of beating Tampa? Absolutely. Yes. Do I think what they accomplished this year, taking a first-year head coach, first-year defensive play caller, I know Jalen played limited time last year, but in essence, got rid of Carson, went through all of that, gave the team to Jalen as a young player. In essence, he's a rookie, you know, give or take four, what do you make, four or five starts last week, last year, give or take. So like, in essence, all this turnover, all this controversy, new coach and all that, for them to make the playoffs, and accomplish what they did on the heels of what they've gone through the last couple of years. I think if I was a Philly fan, I would sit down in front of my TV 
and watch this game and just enjoy it for what it is. Because I don't think anyone in their right mind thought this they would be there this quickly. And they're taking on Tom Brady and I know all the storylines and enjoy it. Do I think Philly can win? A hundred percent. If you put a gun to my head and I had to pick one team, I'm picking Brady and the Bucks. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Philly or Sirianni or Jalen or the fan or anybody. I just think that's being reasonable. I don't have a dog in the fight, right? I'm just an outside viewer. If they won, I wouldn't be shocked by any stretch of the imagination. That is good stuff. Uh, before I let you go, any uh, memories of any trips to Philly, playing in Philly, or any games against the Eagles? Any funny stories? You know, I, the memory that comes to mind, unfortunately, is a bad one. I don't, I don't know why. I do remember the game you referenced earlier. I want to say it was 2015. I think it was the year we went to the Super Bowl. We played Philly. I might have been Monday night football or Sunday. I think it was a night game. I think I think it was Thursday night down there with Sam Bradford for the Eagles, right? And didn't it rain or something down there? Yeah, that sounds it was a prime, it was definitely a primetime night game in Carolina. And I think we won. I think um Chip was still the coach, wasn't he? Yeah, 2015. Yeah. So I remember that game. I know we won. I don't remember anything. What I do remember though is a couple of years before that, we were still kind of rebuilding, and that was the year you guys were rolling with Chip and really doing well. And we came to Philly. Again, I think it was a it was a night game. It was a primetime game, whether it was Sunday or Monday. I think it might have been Monday night football on ESPN. And um, you guys, they beat the brakes off us. And I just remember being in the game in the fourth quarter, and we're just trying to get something going. I think the score was like 40-something to 10, or it was bad. And I don't know why, but every time I think of Philly, that's like the game that I think back of. I'm like, I got to get a better memory. Like, I got to get that out of my head, you know, but – uh, for a while there, they they had it rolling, and it was uh, it was always a hard place to go play. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Well, at least you haven't uh, uh, gotten any abuse from Eagles fans or Philly fans, unless you did. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure at some point it's coming. But I've always loved the Eagles fans. I know they get a tough break. I'm from Jersey. I grew up in North Jersey, so like I understand the passion of Northeast people. I think sometimes down south. Like people look at them like they're aliens. Like, do they sometimes take it too far? Yeah. But don't we all, right? Like, don't we all at some point get too passionate about something we care about? And if I was a player on a team and I had to pick one of the two, if I would pick indifference or like extreme passion about our team, I'd pick extreme passion. I think indifference sucks, right? Like, I don't want my fans to be like, oh, it's great. I hope they win. But if they don't, I don't care. Like, you don't want to play for that. Like the energy of a city and the energy of a stadium of people caring makes the experience what it is. So yeah, it's not it's probably not, a, I've heard Kelsey talk about it. It's not an easy place to play, but you, if you either embrace it or it's going to eat you alive. And I think the guys that have succeeded in Philly have embraced it. Well, you know, from growing up in Jersey and Northeast, we all move quicker up here. There's a vibe, there's a tempo aggressiveness where down South and out West are just kind of like, it's all good. I'll tell you people here in Charlotte think I'm crazy. They're like, don't you ever stop? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is just normal pace, man. I don't have time to like think things through for three days. And like, we got to get things done. Like, let's go, let's yeah. go. And you know, it's just a different way of life. Yep. You're a Northeast guy. I can tell. I love it. All right. Love it. Appreciated the time. And I really, I really think yeah. you're just, your, uh, your insights and your perspective on the games that you're doing are fantastic. Love watching you and listening to you on the games and uh, we'll do it next year. You got it. Look forward to it. Thanks, John. 